Hello, my name is Dylan Arvella and welcome to episode 7 of Away From The Pitch. Today I am joined by a man with many titles, including Football South Coast Competitions Coordinator, Social Media Coordinator, so technically my boss, and South Coast Taipans Coach, but what Bobby Mazeski is probably most known for is being a local referee. Bobby, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Dylan. So refereeing is your what you're most known for in the region, but you did have a playing career before that. Wasn't as illustrious as your refereeing career, but do you want to tell us a bit about that? Um, yeah, look, I mean, I, I started at my playing days as a junior at, at Lake Heights, and uh, I guess I, I went on to play at, uh, at Wollongong Macedonia back in the State League and, and, and National Youth League uh, as, as, a, as a teenager, I guess, and uh, had a... Uh, had a stint there. Had a handful of games in in State League One, uh, and also had a short stint at uh, Port Kembla uh, in '91, I think it was. So the end of your playing days overlapped with the start of your refereeing career, which was in the late '80s. What are your memories from the early years of picking up the whistle? And it wasn't too long until you were refereeing in the Illawarra Top Flight. Yeah, look, I had to make a choice at uh, some point. I, I was 18, 19, and sort of uh, just, just kicking off my referee career at the time. Um, you know, starting to get into uh, some senior games, sort of youth grade, reserve grade type type scenario. And, um, you know, still playing and, and, and having a run uh, in the state league. And, uh, you know, it was a time, I guess, I had to, had to pick between one or the other. And uh, I guess uh, through... Uh, uh, through one reason or another, I end up uh, picking refereeing, and uh, I've managed to stick to it ever since. So it's it's, it's been uh, something I haven't really regretted too much. So I'm I'm happy with that. What convinced you to pick up pick up the whistle, become a referee at, as a teenager back then? Oh, look, it's like it's like most people, I guess. As a junior, you're starting off mainly uh, for some pocket money. Um, but you know, I quickly realised I enjoyed this, and um, it was something that I, I felt really passionate about, and uh, something that people at the time told me I, I had a bit of a knack for. So um, you know, I, I kept on at it, and uh, I guess as, as uh, you know, months and years grew on, uh, it was uh, I ended up getting better games, and and the better games led to uh, I guess more satisfaction. So it's, it's something I guess I I ended up uh, really enjoying. What do you recall from first breaking into the IPL ranks as a ref? Yeah, I don't remember much of uh, of those days, unfortunately. But um, you know, I remember it was tough, and um, you know, I, I ended up having some some really rather uh, tough initiations. There were some really hard players uh, back in back in that that time, and um, you know, I probably can't go on saying some of the things they said. But um, you know, it's, it's it's certainly quite a, a steep learning curve to have to uh, to grow up and learn your trade. Um, you know, having to uh, to referee and officiate uh, some of these types of characters, and uh, football was a lot different back then as well. Uh, yeah, it was it was a lot more rougher and tougher, and um, you know, the characters were certainly part of it. It didn't really take long for you to go from just you know a rookie referee in the local scene to getting a a gig as an IPL Grand Final referee. That was in 1995. It was the first of seven IPL Grand Finals that you would referee. You would have been aged 24, 25, 24. Is that correct? Uh, 25 when I had my 25. First, yeah, yeah. Port v. Lysart's a 1-0 yep. win for Port Kembla. Yep. It was first v. second on the table. How did you handle that occasion? 
You know, it was it's a funny story back in that one. Um, you know, it was about five, four, five thousand people at that game. I don't think we've ever had anything uh, to that uh, that sort of people in any game before. But uh, it was it was a big moment uh, for me personally, and uh, it was at uh, the old Brandon Park, uh, the one where uh, you know I guess the famous one where the Wolves used to play out of. Um, and this appointment for me came out of left field, to be honest. Uh, it was one that I I didn't expect to get. Uh, certainly not at, not at that age. Uh, you know, there were some really particularly good referees still going around. You know, Mario Mastriani, uh, Rex Layton, uh, Phil Torpy, David Owen, uh, Rob Robinson, Stephen Jarris, just to name a few. Um, you know, I'd only been refereeing first grade matches, I think, at that time for about three, three or so years. Um, you know, and 25-year-old to, to get, sort of get a grand final at that time was, was probably unprecedented, um, you know, given the fact that, uh, you know, normally experienced dictated uh, who gets grand finals and um yeah it was pretty uh, pretty chuffed to get it um but uh, you know i arrived at the ground and um you know quite early uh, as as you do when you're nervous with these sort of things and uh, someone had broken into the ground uh, the night before and uh, and painted the goalposts lysite colors and um you know the laws of the game dictate the goalposts must be white so we're sort of scrambling around for some white paint uh, which we couldn't find. So I think the game just proceeded with uh, with Lysite-coloured goals. Far out that would have been. That would have been. Was it intimidating, you know, going into that environment? Um, it was. Um, you know, just I've never, never sort of, uh, I guess, uh, officiated or played in front of that many people before. So I guess uh, it wasn't just that. It was the fact that, you know, I was, I was sort of a young whippersnapper, um, really still relatively inexperienced compared to, to a lot of the other guys. And, uh, you know, going to a grand final like this, uh, like I said, was, was, was pretty pretty intimidating. But, uh, you know, I felt I went through it okay. Um, you know, I thought the crew that we had on the day uh, did a great job and, you know, we, we didn't uh, impact the game, which is always what you want to do as a referee. And I thought the game uh, flowed relatively smoothly and I guess I was happy with that. You mentioned some of the senior referees that were with you throughout that time. But do you want to perhaps go into more detail of uh, some of the people that really had an influence in your refereeing? Oh, look, yeah, I do. I mean, uh, I guess, you know, when I think about as many people that have had influence on me as a referee, there's, there's no question. Um, you know, when you've had a career as long as I have, uh, you don't get there uh, with just listening to one person. But um, I want to thank, well, I guess, all the people that have uh, that have helped me contribute. But I really want to point one person particularly out, and, uh, and that's a guy that not many people actually – would probably know um, or ever heard of, and that's a guy called Michael Shedden. Um, he was a great influential guy, um, you know, for me, I guess, uh, in my younger days particularly, uh, because he was uh, he was there for me, always lent the ear, uh, pushed me along. Um, you know, there was times I, I I didn't feel like I wanted to referee anymore, but uh, you know, he sort of kept persuading me that um, you know it's something that uh, that I could really um, have benefit of, but also utilize my experience and 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 i guess my um my ability um yeah and he, he just helped kept me at it and he became a great mentor and a great uh, ear to have to lend to uh, every time i felt i needed one and um he was there for many many years uh, as i was uh, you know really learning the trade so uh, i'm i'm eternally grateful for for what he's been able to do uh, for me as a, as a referee and i certainly wouldn't be where i am today uh without his persistence and mentorship referees are all different as all players are, are different and I guess as all people are different. And so perhaps could you tell us what you think some of your better traits are as a referee and have they have they drastically changed over the years? 
Oh, look, if you ask players, they'd probably say I haven't got any good traits. But um, <laughs> look, I don't know. I think, uh, I think my, uh, my, my positive traits really are my man management skills. Um, you know, I guess that's uh, sort of uh, come with me through, uh, through my time at work and my, through my professional experience. Um, you know, I've really learnt over the over the years on on how to handle that, and I think, to be honest, it's uh, it's been a part of how I uh, grew up uh, and and became, I guess, a, a, a referee in the early days, having to deal with some of those really uh, hard nuts and and, and tough personalities uh, that were back in the day. And um, you know, I feel that that's something that I've been able to uh, to keep relatively consistent and even adapt, I guess, to. Uh, to certain times, as, as as you know, different generations of footballers uh, come through, their their personalities are slightly different. Uh, they, um, yeah, I and mean, I think that's something that I think uh, I'm, I'm, I hope I'm, I'm pretty well uh, respected for. You were, as we've discussed, you're a promising young local referee. What were were there any prospects for going to a higher level, and was that something that you were uh, looking to pursue? Yeah, I, I did. I refereed uh, in in Sydney uh, in the New South Wales Federation, I guess, for a number of years, and that was in my uh, late teens and, and early twenties. Um, and I, I'd sort of started to progress into into that level there, and uh, was starting to make some inroads uh, into uh, a potential career at a higher level. Um, I managed to to get myself into the National Youth League program um, for 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 a year or so. Uh, at that point in time, I'm, you know, I was in my early twenties. Then I guess some of my priorities changed. Um, you know, I, I I sort of sort of got married at, at uh, 23, and you know had a kid at, at 25. I had my first kid at 25, so you know, I guess my priorities changed a little bit. And um, you know, ultimately I, um, I I I put down the idea of, of refereeing twice a week on a weekend, um, you know, in Sydney and locally, and, and decided to just uh, maintain uh, what I had locally and um, and try and look after my family as well. And that would have involved travelling to Sydney for to, for training sessions and whatnot as well, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. There was regular training sessions, uh, you know, once or twice a week, particularly the higher up you went. Uh, there was meetings and seminars, um, you know, post-match meetings that were, were sort of long, uh, drawn out. Uh, so, you know, days were becoming very long and uh, there wasn't just, you know, one one day a week commitment. It was, it was more than that. And, uh, you know, I, I look back sometimes and I think what could have been, um, but... I don't regret, uh, you know, making that decision. Um, you know, perhaps I could have made it a bit earlier, but, uh, you know, such is life. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm very, very happy with uh, what I've been able to achieve, I guess, as a referee uh, throughout my, my years. Well, fast forward right all the way through to 2019, you refereed your seventh IPL grand final, 24 years after your first. And just interesting to note that I imagine that first one would have been probably early October, so only a couple of weeks before I was even born. So that shows the uh, the length of your refereeing career. But in that time, how has the game changed from, from a referee's perspective and how referees have to be different compared to then to now? Um, look, I think the game has, has changed uh, quite significantly over the time. Uh, you know, I think... Uh, like I said, I think the, the players were, were a lot harder. The laws of the game have changed significantly over over the years as well, uh, which have changed the game. Uh, and I think these have, have helped referees to some degree um, manage the games a lot better because, um, you know, back in the early days, uh, you know, there wasn't really too many foul tackles from behind. They weren't, well, there were, but they weren't uh, sanctioned through uh, through cards or whatnot. So they were, they were quite, 
illegal to some extent. Um, yeah, and, and players were a lot tougher. The, the, the swear words were coming out quite frequently, and 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 referees were a lot less reluctant to uh, to throw the cards around. But uh, yeah, these days, I guess uh, the difference is that uh, the players are much more respectful, most of them, uh, of referees. Uh, and I think uh, for that, that's that's a better, uh, be, it's a change for the better. Um, I think uh, you know, as referees, you know, we're learning. Uh, and adapting. Technology is now starting to come in uh, to help referees manage the game. So uh, I guess there's lots of variances and uh, just like players and, and any other sport, uh, there's different uh, things that are, that are coming in, science factors that are coming in now to, to help them grow the game better. On that 2019 decider, which was, like I said, your seventh, which I believe, does that... I think we were talking about this when or at the time, but did that move you level with... Mario Mastriani in number of IPL Grand Finals? No, uh, I think Mario had six, I think. Uh, okay. So, so that, that's, so that's you... probably made me the um, the highest uh, uh, Premier League first grade referee. And you, you sort of you sort of giggle there, but is, that, is there a sense of pride in having that level of recognition? Because obviously all the referees are out there refereeing to try and referee at the highest pot highest level that they can and to have that many IPL grand finals under your belt is does it give you a sense of of pride oh, of course it does Dylan it, you know it, it's it's something that I I, I look back and in, in, with great pride in, incredibly but um yeah when you've had a hundred year old career like me um you know I guess uh, you know you, you kind of hope that that, that sort of thing uh, happens but it doesn't happen for everybody and you know grand finals are are a tough, uh, tough match to get. Uh, there's a lot of uh, rivalry and competitiveness amongst the referees, and uh, I guess um, <clears throat> not everyone can get there uh, every year. So, you know, when you get them, you, you take them, and um, yeah, they're very much an honour appointment and uh, ones that I certainly look forward to uh, on an annual basis. But uh, yeah, obviously, there's a, there's a great sense of pride in that, definitely. Are there any grand finals that stick out in your mind in terms of maybe? Whether it was exciting to just have the perhaps the best, uh, or not seat, but best position on the on the pitch to watch the game, or perhaps it was a really hard and fiercely forced contest that you that sticks in your mind. You know, most grand finals. Um, you know, people ask me regularly. Actually, um, you know, you know, referee, how, how do you referee, how do you take uh, a grand final? You know, you just go in it uh, as a normal game. The reality is that they're not normal games. They're they're a they're a very different kettle of fish. And um, you know, players are just as nervous as as match officials. And um, you know, the, the spectators are out there with great anticipation. The media is all out there and you know, want, wants to see a great game. And, you know, the bottom line is the last thing you want to do is, is be an influence in these sort of games. But uh, the cold hard reality also is that you need to make sure you, you get out there and, and do what, what you're expected to do, and that is officiate the game to the laws of the game. Um, you know, I guess from my perspective, there's been um, different levels of grand finals. I guess then throughout the seven grand finals, Premier League grand finals that I've had, there's been games that have been uh, relatively easy, comfortable, and, uh, you know, I think I've... I've been able to manage them quite well, and there's been other ones that I think uh, that have been uh, very difficult because they've been tense, they've been fierce. Um, they start off, uh, you know, fiery. Um, but I think I think I've I've lost control of any any particular grand final uh, that I'm aware of. Uh, I think all, all the grand finals have been well within my grasp. But the one that I, I really enjoyed the most was um, Albion Park and uh, and Fury. Uh, when was that? That's probably about four years ago. 2016. Yeah, 2016. No, I really enjoyed that game. I thought it was a cracking game of football. Uh, some great goals in there, plenty of action, and um, 
you know, it was probably one of my most enjoyable grand finals. You've referee Saturday and Sundays most weeks of the of the season, even even now, and maybe after after a Sunday game, you, you you're pretty buggered, but there is a love of the game there as well, isn't there? Oh, I definitely love the game, and I think uh, the local Seven Eleven uh, just expects me at the uh, for the ice there, and uh, and says how many bags of ice do you want today? Uh, so no, all good. Uh, you know, for me, as, as long as I can keep going, I'll, I'll try and keep going. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm probably at the end of my career or thereabouts. So um, you know, I, I just do it because I love the game. You know, it's, it's not the money anymore that drives me. It's 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 love of the game. Um, you know, but uh, in saying that, uh, I'm probably towards the back end of my my uh, refereeing career at the moment. You mentioned how grand finals you don't treat them diff- you don't treat them the same necessarily as regular games because obviously there there is there's it's a more high profile fixture but is there any pre-match rituals or superstitions that you indulge in in either big games or all the games that you're refereeing? Yeah, there is actually. Um you know, I guess uh, you, you would have heard of the expression of starting off on the right foot um, you know, I, I always uh, put on my right sock and my right boot um, first when getting changed. So, um, yeah, been doing that for as long as I can remember. I think I just started doing that as uh, as, as as something I, I just wanted to try, and uh, I guess it's just become force of habit now. So, um, I don't know if it does anything for me or not, but uh, yeah, I've just been doing it. Uh, all right, keep doing it. Hopefully, it's, hopefully it's hopefully it's working for you. Um, what about the most, some of the most challenging situations you've faced and perhaps situations where you've thought, you know, I probably should have dealt with that differently, dealt with that better, however you want to put it. And how do you bounce back from that situation? Because obviously, you know, you've, you've, you've already said it, the referees don't really want to be the center of attention. They just want the game to be played and the best teams to win. But Unfortunately, in life, sometimes mistakes happen. But how does it, how does a referee bounce back from that? Um, look, I think referees. Um, I think most referees really look back at their own performance at the end of the day and, and just have a look at. Uh, well, I certainly do anyway. Um, yeah, and I look back at what could you've done. What would you have done differently in some of the circumstances uh, that happened throughout the game? And uh, yeah, we often sit back at the end of the game and talk as a, as a crew uh, about certain matters. Even at halftime, occasionally we'll we'll talk about these sort of things, and it's a learning process. Um, you know, there's certain occasions or situations that happen that you may not have ever ever come across, and um, you know, uh, we talk about it as a uh, collectively, and sometimes we sort of go back and, and have a beer at the end of the game with with a group of guys and and talk about some of these sort of things, or even at, at general meetings uh, when the referees sort of get together uh, regularly uh, to talk about uh, matters. Some of these matters come up, these situations come up, and uh, you talk through them. But you know, referees are human; they'll make mistakes every every day. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, I think there's been a study that's shown that referees make uh, up to a hundred decisions per game. So. You know, you're kidding yourself if you're telling me that you're going to make every single decision right. You're not. Um, you know, I'll, I'll probably make uh, my fair share of mistakes uh, as it is. But, you know, I guess uh, end of the day, um, you know, as long as they're not too serious, uh, you just get on with uh, with things as they are. Um, you know, I think I've made some some big blunders uh, in, my, in my time. Uh, but, you know, you, you sit back, you apologise and, um, yeah, try not to make the same mistake twice. You know, that's, that's I guess, uh, ultimately what it comes down to. Do you try and have sensible discussions with 
players and coaches away from the game as well to try and uh, perhaps give a referee's uh, viewpoint to them and perhaps take in input from them as well about yeah. how you're performing? Uh, I mean, not, not me personally, I guess, in terms of my own performance, but I think in referees in general, I think it's important to, to get uh, a perspective from the coaches and uh, understand uh, what uh, what their perceptions are and what their challenges are. And sometimes just to get a referee's opinion on how something is interpreted um, uh, is very different to what a coach or a player uh, may uh, may interpret something. So, you know, you, you have the laws of the game, which are written down for everybody, but uh, sometimes they can be interpreted slightly differently. So, uh I think just getting an understanding of uh, of how things are or should be uh, interpreted, uh, you know, would be very beneficial to all concerned. And I think we encourage that. And you know, over the years, uh, Football South Coast has, uh, you know, has, has has offered clubs on many occasions uh, the opportunity for clubs to 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 meet with referees annually uh, before the season and just discuss some of the the finer points in the game and some of the challenging situations that they face or some some rules that or, or laws that uh, that may may require uh, their own interpretation and understanding. So particularly when there's a new one, um, you know, like the offside law, for example, has changed, you know, a thousand times uh, in my time. So, you know, these sort of things uh, generally need to, people need to keep up to date with. A discussion about the laws of the game. Obviously, you know, you probably came came into into the game when referees, st- uh, not referees, but goalkeepers still wore the same uh, jerseys as outfielders. So, how have the laws of the game changed over your time? Yeah, there's been significant changes in the laws of the game, and um, you know, I guess if you look back at things, I mean, uh, I think back in the early uh, early '90s, shin guards became mandatory. Uh, before that, people weren't wearing shin guards, uh, which is really strange given the the kind of crude tackles that were were happening back in the day. The offside law, I think, as I've mentioned before, uh, has has changed countless times. Um, yeah, during that time, I think there was also changes to the uh, the professional foul, uh, which is the last man challenge, or as referees call it, dogso, denying a goal scoring opportunity. That's changed uh, a couple of different times. Uh, I think we also had the back pass rule uh, that's come into effect uh, in the last um, you know, decade or so. Uh, I think there's been also uh, a lot more focus on um, you know the spirit of the game and, and simulations being clamped down. Uh, I guess, descent towards referees as well. They're the sort of things, I guess, that have been clamped down. I think we had an era in the golden goal, um, which I don't think really took off too much. Uh, you know, we, there was a few games, uh, high-profile games with the golden goal. Um, you know, what else is there? There's obviously the treatment of players, injured players. I think that's changed uh, in time. And I think also we're, we're starting to play on artificial pitches, which is something we, we never had uh, 10, 15 years ago. So there's, there's been significant changes, uh, both in the in in how the games played, but but also importantly on in how the laws of the games uh, are interpreted as well. Is there a specific rule that is really tricky to enforce? One thing that comes to mind is you mentioned was the professional foul. Obviously, some players are a lot uh, better at disguising that than others. Um, no, look, I think the offside law is probably one of the, the tricky ones because uh, there's so many variations to it and, and, and very, uh, dependencies. But, um, you know, I think uh, for the most part, uh, it, it's pretty pretty self-explanatory. I think most people get it right. Um, you know, what, I guess what bothers me most of the time is the fact that uh, uh, the public and the, and the paying people um, don't quite understand always the laws of the game. And you, you know you've got things right, uh, but, uh, yeah, you, you kind of get the uh, uh, the finger or the... Uh, 
<laughs> or the brass razoo from people uh, about getting something wrong that you know is totally right. But uh, well, such is life. And another part that we're going to be adding in is some games where things haven't quite worked out in your favour. Yeah, look, I mean, some time ago uh, when the back pass rule was introduced, um, I actually sent off a goalkeeper who'd uh, tipped the ball over the bar uh, after a stray back pass uh, that was sort of floating over his head and into the goal. Uh, at the time, I deemed this as uh, being a, or denying a goal-scoring opportunity, um, which is how I sort of interpreted that particular rule. Um, but, you know, to my, I guess, shock after I sort of realised uh, after the match and reading the, uh, the laws of the game, Excerpt. Um, I realised that I'd made a, a huge mistake, and um, you know, obviously the protests at the time were very valid. Um, but you know, I, re- I sort of recall uh, at the time feeling really bad about that, and um, you know, I sort of rang the coach and um, you know after the game and and, and told him, look, I'd, I'd made a mistake. Um, you know, that certainly a, an error in my behalf, and uh, apologised on that, and uh, uh, certainly made the uh, the association aware that uh, that I'd heard, and uh, the goalkeeper was exonerated. Uh, accordingly, which, uh, which is obviously right in that situation. Um, yeah, I guess there was also the um, the Wollongong Olympic goal uh, back in round twenty two uh, that wasn't really a goal <laughs> uh, in two thousand eighteen. Twenty seventeen was it? Yeah, there yeah. you go. So uh, I guess after reviewing the video and photographs, there it uh, certainly looks like a goal uh, should have been awarded in that in that situation. However. You know, I guess referees, we only get one crack at these sort of things and have to work on gut instinct. And, um, yeah, unfortunately, uh, sometimes uh, you get things right and sometimes you get things wrong. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not really a big fan of, of VAR as it is, but uh, for those sort of situations, I think uh, VAR could come in very, very handy, uh, particularly for goal line decisions. So how long till there's VAR in the IPL? <laughs> it would be some time, Dylan. Be some time. <laughs> Unless someone's willing to uh, to sit there with a... Uh, with an iPad and record uh, every game, but no, it's not going to happen. Yeah, no, um, not, not for some time. Just with that first one, was so was the the back pass like a lobbed back pass to the goalkeeper? Yeah, I think it was just as a back pass that was meant to go to his feet, but I think he's he's, he's overplayed it and it's just, it's definitely heading for goal. It's going to be a goal. And Keepers, that was a, a straight red card, is what you? Yeah, yeah, deemed, deemed that as uh, deemed that as being a. Um, as denying a goal scoring opportunity. So what? So what? What was the correct decision? The what correct decision, yeah, the correct decision should have been indirect free kick uh, on mm. on the edge of the, uh, the the goal area, which is most people know is a six yard box. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, in, in indirect free kick from that from that perspective. Um, so no caution. It was mm. just simply one of those things. Probably the goalkeeper's done really well to to, to stop it from going in the goal. But uh, you know, I remember we talking about this very situation. Uh, you know, probably several months before that, particularly when this new in this rule was introduced. And um, yeah, I remember. Uh, someone talking about it and basically s- suggesting that this this was a red card, um, mm. and that was that was in the back of my head. Um, but yeah, I guess I've just uh, acted on on that rather than actually uh, reading the laws of the game as I probably should have done uh, in that situation and, and and get a clearer understanding. So yeah, happy to put my hand up there and say oh, I got that totally wrong. But um, yeah, look, yeah, in 2019, I think I got a throw in wrong. But yeah, that's probably the only other one. I've <laughs> That's the thing. I like. I only. I was my refereeing career was very minimal. But when there's when edge cases get thrown at you, uh, in the middle of a game, and you just, you know, if you you know ninety percent of the law, but you're just missing that that uh, last ten percent of info, it can, it, the pressure can pretty it can add up pretty quickly. 
You know, the laws of the game there for me are, are as a guide. And, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, you can be a little bit flexible with the laws of the game, but uh, most importantly, I, I guess it's, it's about consistency. Uh, I think that's what most people are looking for. If you can be consistent with your interpretation of the laws of the game throughout the match, that's what most people expect and want to see. Uh, you know, whether you get the same consistency amongst all referees, it's always difficult because uh, you don't get the same consistency with players. So, um, yeah, they're the sort of things I guess that people just need to understand when they're uh, having a dig at a referee moving forward. In 2018, Nick Ryan became the youngest grand final referee and he took charge of Bulleye against Wollongong United at Wynn Stadium and you were the fourth official on that occasion. Did you yep. have any words for him in the perhaps a week leading up or on, on game day? Yeah, I did. I had a couple of chats to him, and I'm very, very happy for Nick, to be honest. Um, yeah, Nick, Nick's a great guy. Uh, I think he's got a, a good future ahead of him as well. Um, yeah, level-headed sort of a guy. I uh, thought he handled the, the grand final pretty well uh, for, for a young guy as well. So, you know, kudos to him. But, um, no, it was, it was great to be able to sit back and uh, and, and be part of, uh, I guess, someone who uh, ultimately was breaking my, my record. But, um, no, no, I'm, I'm really happy for him. I did speak to him during the week, congratulated him on his appointment, and... Um, yeah, you know, we had a good chat before the game about things, but you know, I'm not I'm not about to change his style. Uh, he got there on his own merit, and um, you know, I, I don't expect to have to change him in any way. Um, yeah, just have to do what he what he keeps doing, and I'm sure he, if he had any advice or, or, or feedback that he wanted, he, he would have asked for it. And what the situation in football in the Illawarra at the moment? There's you know a, a group of older referees, and there's a lot of younger referees. What general advice do you have for young referees and even perhaps people that are considering becoming a referee these days? Um, yeah, look, I mean, the biggest thing, I guess, is understanding the game. Um, you know, that's one of the things I see, um, you know, when, when you're outside running lines or watching games uh, where you're not particularly involved in um, and you're just watching younger referees or new referees or rookie referees, I, I guess, sort of, uh, you know, doing their thing. Um, it's that understanding of the game. And, you know, I hear it all the time from the coaches, um, you know, about their frustrations, uh, about things. And I guess if you've played the game before at a, at a reasonably high level, you'll understand it uh, and get a good grip of it. And I think, uh, to be honest, uh, I think, the better referees are the ones who've had a decent playing career or have played the game at some level or even played the game at all. There are some referees that haven't played the game much or at all, if any. But I think you'll find that, you know, for example, Andrew George Naylor, you know, had a, had a great career as a, as a player and, uh, you know, went on to, uh, to become a, a good, good, uh, good match official. So, yeah, to me, I think just understanding the game is probably one of the big important traits to have, uh, as a referee, and, and just knowing uh, when when to do things, uh, I guess that they're the things that you just can't. A piece of paper, a theory of les lessons can't teach you that sort of stuff. It's it's something that you need to to have or need to learn. Uh, so they're probably one of the big things. But um, yeah, the man management, the other side of things, uh, games can quickly escalate uh, out of control if you say or do the wrong thing. Um, you know, oh, trust me, I've, I've been there and done that. Um, so, you know, when you're, when you're saying do the wrong thing, player's attitude changes, his face changes, uh, or he says something that, uh, you know, then requires further actioning, uh, you know, and all of a sudden you've got, you've, you've got a situation that was probably under control that's now been escalated unnecessarily. So they're probably some of the things I think that, 
you know, referees and match officials probably just need to, uh, to my personal view anyway, get, get a bit of more of a, a grasp on. You're also a father um, to, to Matt Mazewski, who's now at South Coast Flame, and he was in the Illawarra Premier League. And it brings in an interesting dynamic. I actually asked Matt Naylor about being refereed by uh, his uncle a couple of episodes back, but what's it like to referee your son? Um I, I, I guess I stayed away from him. Uh, in, in he was there a couple of years at Tarawana, but I stayed away from from his games uh, for for the most part. Uh, but I think there was two or three games that I did end up refereeing him. Um, and I'll be honest, they're probably a lot tougher than anything else I've had to do, um, purely because of the uh, I guess the association uh, or the perceived association there in terms of perception. Um, you know, I, I just treat it like any other game. To be honest, well, he's just like any other player. To be honest, um, but you know, any free kick that you give to his team uh, is automatically perceived as being favourable to to his team. Uh, so it's always tough. And um, you know, I remember one particular game, he um, he, he he copped some treatment from uh, from a player. Uh, I'd had a quiet word to the player, and um, yeah, my son had reacted um, unnecessarily, uh, ended up pushing the player, and both players ended up having a bit of a push and shock. So uh, yeah, both players were, were cautioned. So it was quite an interesting chat at uh, dinner that one uh, about uh, yeah. About uh, about why I cautioned him, but uh, yeah, from my perspective, it doesn't matter. You know, uh, if it was anybody else, it'd be the same result. Does it help having a a son playing at? Obviously, he's playing MPL four now, but playing at this level, and he's a, obviously a younger face. Does it help having chats with him about about the game? Uh, yeah, look, I mean, I go watch most of his games, uh, which is great, and that's something that I've, I've really, really enjoyed doing as well. It's something I guess I'll, I'll probably continue to do uh, for as long as I'm alive. Um, you know, football's a big part of my life, and uh, and he knows that, and I think he's he's obviously followed, uh, yeah, in my footsteps in that in that uh, capacity in terms of a player. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm just happy. But, you know, we have occasional chat. He'll give me grief. Uh, particularly with things that uh, I disagree with. And, uh, you know, he's, he's been on the wrong end of uh, of sanctions by referees as well. And I've, I've told him several times he probably deserved that. But, uh, yeah, he wouldn't wouldn't necessarily agree. We'll go into Taipans a, a little bit now. Not necessarily uh, your... Because you, you coach at the Taipans. You coach into a couple of teams and you have uh, representative experience coaching well, coaching representative levels, but obviously you're not a referee at that level, but what's the major difference between the, how do you sort of deal with referees at that level? Because you're an outdoor referee, do you feel, uh, I don't know, a sense of, a sense of uh, authority that is, is perhaps uh, not necessarily warranted for that, that, that game? No, not at all, Dylan. I actually got a great relationship with uh, with many of the referees, and uh, you know I've developed a good friendship with many of them. And uh, you know I think a lot of them uh, have just become to know me. Um, you know, as, as a face at the Taipans, uh, given that they're they're regulars in in, in more cases than not. Um, but you know, word gets around oh, that you know Mazeski guy is a referee himself, and uh, occasionally I remind the referees that um, you know I also know the laws of the game uh, as a referee. But uh, you know, look, end of the day, uh, you know I, I recognise the job that they do isn't easy. Uh, I recognise the job that they do. Uh, you know, it's spur of the moment stuff, and um, yeah, it's usually just a bit of uh, banter with the referees. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm 
I'm glad to say I've never got myself in any any great trouble uh, with referees before. So um, now it's all good. All good. Have you refereed any futsal matches? Uh, socially, yeah. I mean, nothing, uh, nothing ever uh, official. Uh, you know, the laws of the game really aren't that different uh, in terms of identifying free kicks and whatnot. I guess some of the uh, the intricacies of the game in terms of kick-ins and uh, you know back passes and, and stuff like that. Uh, they're they're slightly different, um, but you know the game itself, generally, um, you know, is governed by the same laws of the game. Now we're approaching the end of this episode, but we've been putting together five aside teams for each player that's come on, of players that they've played with or coached. But we're going to be putting together a match official dream team for potentially an IPL grand final with. Pl- people that you have officiated matches with over your uh, what would be nearly over three-decade-long career. Um, so I don't know, are you going to chuck yourself into this team or do you have uh, four separate names? No, I've got uh, got some separate names. Got some separate right. names. I'm not part no of this worries. team. Oh, good. Well, we'll start with uh, with a, a centre. Uh, the centre, I think, has to be um, Shrebray Delosky. Um yeah, Shrebray's been um, a good mate of mine. We sort of uh, grew up, um, you know, uh, in, in refereeing ranks. He was coming through as well uh, at a period in my time. And, uh, you know, I've got a lot of respect for him and he's, he's done immensely well uh, for himself uh, after after going through the uh, the New South Wales Federation and then going on to uh, uh, to A-League and, uh, you know, even a FIFA badge. Uh, you know, for him, I think that's, that's a, a just reward. Uh, for his ability, and I'm I'm really delighted for him. And uh, for me, he still probably stands out as one of the best referees this region's ever seen. No doubt about that. Of course, he was right at the top of the national competition for a number of years in a refereeing capacity. Not a not a awful futsal goalkeeper in social futsal either. So <laughs> fair play there. Um, what about uh, your ARs? Um, my ARs. Um... I think one of the ARs would have to be Alex Glasgow. Uh, Alex is um, again is, is a guy that's, uh, that's spent some time locally. Um, he's uh, he's a guy that's been refereeing down here, but he's also now a match assessor uh, at uh, I guess NPL games at the moment, and um, his career's finished. But um, yeah, he's he's a he's a guy that's uh, used to run a line at, at A League games and in uh, the old NSL days. And um, again, he went on to uh, to have a, a FIFA ticket as well. Uh, in the AR circles, and um, you know, ended up doing some games in Asia as well. So, um, you know, for me, uh, he, he's a no-brainer uh, as a as one of my ARs. Uh, the AR, AR would be uh, Peter Bitkowski. Uh, he's, he's a guy that's um, that's now involved in football locally as well. Um, he was also a former referee. I'm not sure how many people know that, but he was a former referee himself, um, and, and he was a very good AR back in the day as well. And I'm I'm pretty sure he got his. Uh, uh, FIFA ticket uh, briefly as well uh, as an AR, um, so he, he'd be certainly someone that I'd probably chuck in there as a, as an AR. And the fourth official, uh, my fourth official would be um, a guy that spent some time here locally a little while ago, um, but he's now moved down to Victoria and, and doing very well for himself down there. And I think he's. Uh, He's on the cusp of making the A-League at the moment. That's a guy called Lachlan Keevers. Um, you know, I, I see big things for him uh, down the track, and I, I think he's uh, 
he's a bright prospect uh, for a potential A-League referee and, and, and maybe even a FIFA referee at some point. Yeah, he has already done a number of fourth official jobs at A-League level. And interestingly enough, when I was a junior referee, he was a senior referee at Albion Park when I was, uh, you know, blew the whistle a couple of times down there. So fair play to him because he's uh, someone that's definitely on the cusp of, like you said, the the top of the game in Australia. But that brings us to the end of today's episode. Thanks for joining us, Bobby. Thank you, Dylan. Thanks to everyone at home for listening, and I look forward to you tuning in again on Friday.